0: You are now listening to
1: Chakras and Shotguns. Welcome back to Chakras and Shotguns, episode 38. I'm Jen.
0: And I'm Mick. Welcome back. So what's up? What's on your mind?
1: What's going on? What's going on? I just feel like we're on the brink of spring. Mm. Daylight savings time just passed.
0: Man, fuck daylight savings time. (laughs) Don't get me started, man. It's the dumbest, most unscientific concept that we subscribe to in this country.
1: You know, I think there was like a certain novelty about daylight savings time, especially when I was young and in the club. Because in the fall, when you would fall back, you would get an extra hour in the club.
0: Yes, I do (laughs) remember those days, swag surfing for one more hour. But as a grown-ass adult. With kids. With these little kids who have a routine.
1: And a dog.
0: And a dog who has a routine. They do
1: not give a shit about daylight savings time.
0: Our one-year-old was freaking out. Her bedtime, <laughs> it was still light outside. She was like, what the hell is going on? What, like, Is it a
1: nap? Is it bedtime? In my body, it is not time for me to go to bed.
0: Speaking of daylight savings time, I was actually reading that the Senate just passed a bill called the Sunshine Protection Act. Boo. What kind of branding is that? They always got some whack names for a bill. But basically, they want to make daylight savings time permanent. And look, I I certainly have my gripes when it comes to daylight savings time. But do we really need to focus on this? Is this where we need to have our resources going?
1: Yeah. Whenever I'm feeling a little down on myself... And wondering, am I an imposter? You know, my imposter syndrome is at an all-time high. I just, I think about the United States Congress. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they're just out there winging it. Like, they're just making this up as they go. The priority list makes nobody sense. It doesn't matter. Have you ever seen that meme where Rihanna throws that money at that man, like, while she's passing by? I think it was, like, at the BET Awards. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like they throw stuff like the Sunshine Protection Act at us, like, here, we doing something. Shut up. (laughs) That's how it feels to me. I just, like, why is this a priority? We're still fighting a panorama. Gas is at an all-time high. Putin is punking NATO. Like, we don't have nothing else to do. Like daylight saving, like daylight saving. Can we wait until, you know, like things are maybe a little bit closer to okay? Yeah. (laughs) No, you know what? I have a great analogy for this. So I had plenty of things to do today. I needed to do laundry, wash stuff for the kids, do dishes, hell, do my job. And I said, you know what? It's looking a little dusty behind that crib, and I'm just going to move that. And I'm gonna dust those baseboards. Did it need to be done? Yes. Was it important?
0: I mean, look, I I don't even know if that's equitable. Objectively, our baseboards—they needed to be clean. They're a little dirty, you know what I'm saying? Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. But daylight savings time. I mean, come on, bro.
1: Don't be telling everybody our baseboards are are dirty. They were just a little dusty. Okay. You know, they just needed a little Mary Poppins, just like, you know, a little skim of a finger. You know what I mean?
0: I'm not feeling any judgment. If you got kids, your baseboards is probably dirty, too. <laughs> <laughs> so we in the Dirty Baseboard Club, too. We not, we not above it.
1: Not in the Dirty Baseboard Club.
0: It's cool. It's spring cleaning time. We got to.
1: We did. We got to a lot of things. I just, I'm feeling this energy of... You know, like it's getting a little bit warmer depending on where you live, our friends in Chicago, our hearts are with you, thoughts and prayers. (laughs) (laughs) But it's getting a little warmer and like literally I feel like movement, like wanting to move, wanting to do things, wanting to clean stuff out, wanting to get rid of stuff, wanting, you know, just wanting to kind of like freshen everything up a bit, like feeling like The energy was a little stale. Like, I feel like we were all actively kind of hibernating. Yeah. Texas has been colder than I feel like it normally
0: is. I'm like, this on and off cold hot thing we got going on right now is some bull. I know.
1: And it's messing with my allergies and my sinuses. And then my sinuses make my teeth hurt. And then I'm like, Lord, I need to go to the dentist. It's just (laughs) very stressful for me, personally.
0: (laughs) I feel like we just turned this into like a rant of, like, us on the soapbox complaining about shit.
1: I'm (laughs) chilling. You're the one that immediately got on the mic and was like, you know what? (laughs) Fuck DST. (laughs) It's like, oh, okay. All right. You in your old man bag today. (laughs) You are very firmly in your old man bag. That's okay. I get in my mama bag. (laughs) You stay being like, oh, you sound like somebody mama.
0: Because you do. And I am. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So, it is what it is. Anything else? I feel like there's nothing good on TV right now. Mm-mm. And usually that's in the summertime. Yeah. Where there's nothing good on TV. Like, right now, all we're watching is the Chase reruns and, like, random stuff we find on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I'm patiently awaiting, like, the next Marvel show installments.
0: Yeah, we got Moon Knight coming up, end of the month.
1: Yeah, they just dropped the trailer for Miss Marvel. Yeah. All very exciting. We started watching Korean shows. Like, I've been watching Korean movies. (laughs) I'm like, what else are they talking about?
0: Yeah, did we talk about that Korean zombie show already?
1: No, we did not. So let's circle back.
0: So from, you know, we talked about Train to Busan, like, mad episodes ago and how much we loved that Korean zombie movie. There is a series on Netflix, All of Us Are Dead hmm it's about a korean high school that there's a zombie outbreak you know somebody gets infected and spreads the typical zombie premise but you know you see how they have to band together to try to survive the zombie situation and it reminded me very much of like game of thrones where like at any point in time any character could die like Don't get too attached.
1: Let me tell you something about Korean TVs and (laughs) movies. They don't give a damn about, oh, no, this is going to be the fan favorite. They can't die. They will kill them. They do not care.
0: They don't care at all. So I don't want to spoil it, but check it out. It's good if you're into zombie stuff. Good show to watch.
1: That one was really good. If any one of our listeners watches Korean TV and movies regularly or if they are Korean. I would love to know if there is a common trope of like women making bad decisions because (laughs) I have been noticing this trend in Korean television and movies of these women just like making very poor decisions. I would love to flesh that out what is going on? Or maybe I'm picking the wrong shows. I also watched this movie called The Call. Very good. Kind of like a supernatural thriller. Not a, not really horror. Mm. I wouldn't say it's firmly horror. Yeah. That one was excellent.
0: All right. You ready to do some breath work? Because I need it, clearly.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. All right. So let's find a comfortable seat. And the theme of today's breath work is going to be in this whole winter to spring movement. So close your eyes. Relax your body. Notice where you're feeling tension. Is your tongue stuck to the roof of your mouth? It's a sneaky place where we can hold. Make sure your jaw's relaxed. It's okay if your mouth parts slightly. Let's take a deep breath in through the nose, expanding your belly. Hold at the top and sigh out through your mouth. Let's do that again, in through your nose. and sigh out through your mouth. Last one in through your nose and sigh this one out through your nose. Now that you're aware of your breath, think about your behaviors from winter. How maybe you wanted to get a little bit more cozy, find comfort, rest, relaxation. And thank yourself for finding that time. For moving maybe a little bit slower while it was cold outside. Thank yourself for reading more books or binging TV shows and allowing yourself to slow down from the go, go, go. Maybe you even let a smile blossom on your face as you think about the comfort and the delight that you felt when taking care of yourself and maybe coming back to home. Now I want you to think about moving forward into spring. Spring. Maybe you think of a color, pastels and rainbows and flowers blooming, animals coming out of hibernation, the busyness of the time, not in a frantic way, but more so as we all kind of get back to work from a nature perspective. The bees are buzzing and the birds are singing. And think about what you might have planned for spring going into summer. And how that rest is going to propel you into that movement. And as we think about spring being a lighter space, where winter might have been a little bit more heavy... We always talk about spring cleaning and letting go and purging. What we're really doing is making space for something new to come in. And so we're going to wrap up with an affirmation. I am free of anything that doesn't serve me. And so as we move into spring together... We're stripping ourselves of the things that might have been holding us back or holding us in place or in a rut. As we move into the things that delight and satisfy us and brings us peace. All right. When you're ready, open your eyes.
0: Thank you so much for that, Jen. Like I said, I needed that. I can't Came out the gates a little bit cantankerous. So thank you for
1: curmudgeonly
0: getting me back in the, the right headspace there. Let's get into our main topic. So we spoke on our last episode a little bit, and there's been even more news since then about what's going on with Russia and the potential for a nuclear war. Even my dad, who I've talked about before, is... In Enneagram 6, he's a prepper, has that same mindset that I have. He hit me up. He's like, yo, we got to do this and this and this and this because we don't know how Putin's going to be moving. And it could you know, lead to some nuclear explosions in the U.S. And so thinking through that and thinking about this podcast, we're like, hey, well, I think it's the right time to do a topic about how to survive or prepare as best you can for a nuclear attack?
1: Yeah, I admittedly find without trying to be flippant, I find this whole thing to be very annoying. Because as the non-prepping partner, which I'm like, am I really the non-prepping partner anymore? But as the non as the original non-prepping partner, <laughs> nuclear war was like, okay, like you need to plan for a brownout, a blackout, a flood, a hurricane, like Things that happen fairly regularly, if you live in Texas, an ice storm, that's something that happens once a year. Do you have, like, basic needs met? And nuclear war was for shows like Extreme Preppers, you know, these people who invest a lot of money and time planning for something that's a remote possibility. So the mm-hmm. fact that it is prescient, hmm to talk about this because somebody wants to get in a bag and be a little asshole about it. Great. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. However, like I'm glad that we are doing our part in making sure that people are, are prepared for it. Because I feel like when people think about nuclear war, it's a wrap. Like that's mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. over. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean that. So hopefully we can help dispel some fears that people might have about it.
0: All right. So let's start first with an overview of a nuclear blast and the ensuing fallout.
1: After detonation, the first wave of a nuclear blast is an initial wave of thermal energy. It's a shock wave of heat and light that will fry everything in the immediate vicinity of the blast.
0: Yeah, so if you're in that immediate radius of the blast, it's not a whole lot I can say. I mean, it's pretty much a wrap. It's not much, you know, a shocker or a shotgun can do for you. There are some estimates from various sites on on what that blast radius looks like and the probability of survival in that blast radius. Uh, I did see some pictures of places like in Japan during World War II when they were like, pretty close to the blast radius. They were underground, though, and they were able to survive. But again, I mean, depending on how powerful a nuclear blast is, it's unlikely that you can survive if you're in that immediate range.
1: So this is a warning as we get into this episode. I think what I found most frustrating as I was helping Mick put this episode together was that a lot of these answers are it depends Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it depends and it depends what this random country with no regard for human life decides to do to your country for something that you don't have any control over (laughs) yeah unless president biden is a listener so hey joe but we did it joe (laughs) So let's talk about blast radius. That depends on what size the nuclear bomb is. But there was a site that we found that broke down what a 10-kiloton bomb could do, which is about two-thirds of the size of the bomb in Hiroshima. The government views this as a potential terrorist nuclear attack happening close to the ground. A Russian missile is very likely to be much more powerful. Great. But for a list illustration purposes, let's talk about a 10 kiloton scenario.
0: In this scenario, about a half mile radius around the blast site would be considered severe damage zone. So that's kind of what I was talking about, right? You're looking at completely destroyed buildings, extreme levels of radiation, pretty much less than 1% survival.
1: The next half mile outside of that radius or one mile away from the actual blast site, this would be considered a moderate damage zone. If you're fortunate enough to not be in the immediate blast radius, you will have to contend with an initial bright flash of light that could be temporarily blinding. And then there's the radiation.
0: There are three types of radiation that will get released when you have a nuclear blast. They each have their own chemistry. And y'all know we don't want to get into all the scientific details. This isn't like Bill Nye's podcast or anything. We just want to give y'all an overview. So...
1: <laughs> you should start talking like him. There are three types of radiation that we... You know how he talk? You got lots of bow ties.
0: Anyway, so there <laughs> are three types of radiation. Alpha radiation is the first type. And basically alpha particles, they can't penetrate the skin. However, if alpha particles are inhaled or ingested or even enter in through like a cut, they can cause some really severe internal organ damage, right? So the tissue of your internal organs can't handle that, but your skin's good.
1: So that one was wild to me. It was like, oh, we can't get through your skin. I'm like, oh, okay, we Gucci. And they were like, girl, but if you got a paper cut,
0: that's it. You can bandage up your cut.
1: I know, but it's like, the one thing that I can think of that I guess would be remotely similar is like this vampire show that I feel like nobody else was watching but me and you that was on FX, The Strain. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was like those little worms, and that's how vampirism was spread. Yeah, yeah. That's what it felt like to me.
0: Mm, That makes sense, yeah. All right, so moving on to beta radiation. Beta particles actually can penetrate the skin, but they don't cause as much internal damage. You can avoid beta particles by basically just covering up any exposed skin with clothing. So, you know, pretty much basic cotton garments are going to provide the same protection that, like, your skin would from alpha. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. So then the third type is gamma radiation. When I saw gamma radiation, I immediately thought about... The Hulk? The Hulk, exactly. I'm like, is this where this comes from? Anyway. Gamma rays, they are the big boy particles. They can penetrate through clothes, skin. They can pass completely through the human body. And as they pass through, they can cause ionizations and that can really mess up your internal tissue and your DNA. They are a radiation hazard for the entire body. So you want to avoid these. They have so much penetrating power that several inches of a dense material like lead or even a few feet of concrete, are basically what you need to to stop them. So when you hear about radiation sickness, it's gamma rays that's causing that.
1: So it's making me think of, you know, because I was talking about my teeth earlier, going to the dentist and you get your x-rays done and they make you wear that heavy ass vest. Mm-hmm.
0: So what are x-rays? All right, how can I break this down for you? Basically, x-rays and gamma rays are like kinfo but X-rays are weaker. They, from the same, like, family, they just come from different parts of the atom. <laughs> and so from where the X-rays come from, they just, you know, they, they ain't got the same strength. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks, man.
0: You country, so I was trying to, like, Don't do relate that. it to you and your... Don't do that. They are kissing cousins.
1: Okay, first of all... <laughs> I'm country, but I don't know nothing about their lifestyle, okay? <laughs>
0: that ain't me. You never heard kissing cousins before? That, that means he's not actually related. But they kissing. It's a saying.
1: Is it? You know Rudy G- Giuliani was kissing his cousin. He married his cousin. He nasty.
0: Okay, that's different. I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> that's not actually blood related. So it's okay if they kiss.
1: I don't think that's what that means.
0: It's like play cousins. Kissing cousins is like play cousins.
1: I thought kissing cousins was like some inbred, like, like we're third cousins, but like, we're far enough removed that like we could get married and have kids without any repercussions.
0: So according to Google, a kissing cousin is a relative known well enough to be greeted with a kiss, which is not what either of us said.
1: They lying. You know, my mama told me Google don't know everything. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, we going to listen to your mama then. (laughs)
1: Get back on task. I'm on it. Well, actually, I'm back off. What if you're in the shower when the nuclear bomb hit? And now you...
0: Well, hopefully your shower, you know, is surrounded by brick.
1: Because they're talking about, you know, like the alpha rays. They can't penetrate skin. But, you know, if you inhale them, I'm concerned about orifices. I'm just wondering. Just like when are you at your most vulnerable, exposed moment? Wouldn't that be terrible luck that that's when the nuclear bomb hits? You can
0: say that about anything, though. A burglar jumping, the cops looking for you. (laughs) Any type of moment. It ain't gotta just be a nuclear blast. I don't want to be in the shower for none of those events. Slip sliding.
1: (laughs) Okay, so let's say... We're going to leave the shower hypothetical to the side, but what are you supposed to do to avoid these effects from radiation? Time is going to be of the essence, and it takes about 15 minutes for the nuclear fallout radiation to descend back down to the ground level. So if it's up, it actually ain't stuck. So you only got 15 minutes.
0: Yeah, so in that 15 minutes, you have to decide how you can get indoors as quickly as possible, basically. If you're out and about, do you have time to go home or do you need to hunker where you are? You need to get out of your car because your car is not going to provide protection. So you got to figure out what, where am I going to be? You're likely going to need to stay wherever you decide to be for at least 24 hours. So take that into account.
1: Let's say you've picked a place to get indoors. What now? If you happen to be outside when the fallout arrived, you want to make sure that you remove your contaminated clothing and wash your skin thoroughly with soap and water. Hand sanitizer is not going to do it. I find it funny that we went from not being in the shower to now we're back in the shower. But this is what you need to do. You need to wash your body. Next, you want to go to the basement or the middle of the building. Uh, for our Texas folks, we don't we don't have basements like that. It's some about the clay the soil, they don't, you don't rock with a basement, but if you can get to a basement, get to a basement. The radiation will have a harder time penetrating penetrating these areas of the building. Basement, middle of the building.
0: Yeah, you want to get away from the windows. Glass isn't going to stop the radiation. So, wherever you can be insulated closet, bathroom, interior wall. Basically the same thing they tell you during a hurricane. So the next thing you need to think about is water. Tap water is likely to be safe immediately following the blast, but it will quickly become contaminated. So you should try to fill up as many containers as you can if you haven't already stored water. But hopefully you listen to shotguns and shotguns and you've been storing some water in a place that's safe. So you have that available for you. But if you're not near your own water supply, start filling up some containers.
1: Next, let's start thinking about first aid. Are there any cuts that you need to cover to keep radiation out? Find some clean bandages and keep them handy if you don't have them readily
0: available. So actually, when I was coming up with this episode, it kind of got me a little bit worried. I was like, what happens if this pops off and the kids are at school, right? Monday through Friday, they're gone from the house about eight hours. What are we going to do? Round trip from home to school. We're talking 40, 45 minutes. And who knows what the roads would look like at that point. I looked at ready.gov, which is the government's preparedness site, and they recommend don't try to reunite with your family immediately after detonation. Try to get indoors and stay indoors. I don't know about you, but that makes me nervous. How do you feel about that?
1: I'm not going to lie. It does concern me a little bit. I We've kind of run the traps on this a little bit, like talking it out and decided that we would split up. And I don't really love that option either. But that's probably the best option. And you're hoping that, not to be smug or anything, but you're hoping that you know enough that maybe you can help the situation wherever your kid and other kids may be that Mm -hmm. are stuck. Mm -hmm. So maybe you grabbed a bunch of, you know, we each grab a bunch of water before we leave. We grab food. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that it's safe and we can get to our kid One of our kids and like hunker down until it's safe to leave and hope that we can reunite. Yeah. Hopefully we have walkie talkies with like the range. Yep. Maybe, you know, we can do that. So there are options, but that's a tall order. It is. Do you remember when that false alarm went off in Hawaii? Yes. They told all those people that it was like a nuclear bomb that was coming within like 20 minutes or something like that. Mm -hmm. And like, you don't have time to process, get in the car and do nothing. Mm-hmm. And you know somebody gonna be on the road like, oh my God, I don't know. And like, they driving crazy. Now they done created a wreck. Now you block. Like, how you gonna get around it? Mm-hmm. Now you gotta go off road in your coupe and that's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. So it it's very concerning. It's like one of those things that kind of sends me in like panic mode a little bit. Yeah, And to be like completely transparent like since we got into this space like i get a little paranoid about leaving home period yeah well not leaving home period but like if we go out of town and just be like oh my gosh if something popped off how can i get back to my kids Mm -hmm. and we haven't even really traveled internationally a ton in the past few years yeah so it's like how can i get back to my kids even cross-country like How can I get back to my kids? What if there's an EMP? There is no car. Like, when am I going to see my kids again? Like, what am I going to do?
0: Yeah. One tip I will say, every daycare center, school has some type of emergency plan. And so most of the time, those plans really only cover the most likely scenarios. And so ask, hey, you know, Russia talking big right now. Do you have a plan in place for if there is some sort of warning system that comes from the government saying that there's an impending nuclear attack. Like, what is your plan? Make sure they know to, like, stay inside with the kids if parents can't get there.
1: Mm, that's a really good point. And maybe other mamas are better at it than I am. But don't be afraid to get into these daycare and these school's asses, okay? Mm-hmm. Because... I think there is like, a, there is a huge learning curve for parenthood, period. And I think sometimes you'll come into a situation with a daycare or a school and you'll be like, well, surely they know or surely they've completely thought this through. And for instance, I was not happy with our youngest daycares approach to COVID. Mm-hmm. It was not doing what it needed to do. And so I was like, yo, what's going on and they got it together very quickly and swiftly and it was almost like nobody had ever said anything mm-hmm. so you know don't feel like you're the yahoo that's in there like um nuclear war are we prepared
0: yeah daycare got a little bit of fts consulting
1: okay <laughs> fix that shit everybody in here need to wear masks. mask okay So don't think about it like you're not going in there being a prima donna. You're asking for the well-being of everyone that's in that building to make sure that their emergency plan is up to snuff and known by all of the personnel. What is the cost of that?
0: Yeah. All right. So moving on, one other thing that could potentially be a problem is EMP. If you haven't listened to our full episode on EMPs, go back and check that one out. We know from that episode, we talked about this, we know that a nuke that is detonated high above the ground could produce an EMP. But what about a nuke that actually hits the city or goes off at the ground level? There's some debate amongst folks, scientists, is one of those things that depends, we kept running into. But yeah, the debate is about how much an EMP could actually be generated in a scenario where, again, that nuke actually goes off on the ground or comes from a missile that strikes the ground. Some scientists say that there would be localized EMP close to the blast radius. And they believe like that's part of the severe damage zone. So if you're in that space, your likelihood for survival is low. So an EMP is not really one of your top concerns if that's the case. Mm. But there are others who think that there could be greater radius of EMP damage. So
1: That's important to know because the next thing that the government preparedness website talks about is staying
0: tuned.
1: They recommend having a battery powered or hand crank radio available so that you can listen to emergency communications. That also might be a really good thing. Like if you're running to start small, pause. If you have not listened to our EMP episode, that'd be a great time to do that. If you're wanting to start small with preparedness around EMP, like that's a small thing that you can get an EMP shielded bag for and that would be ready to go. Mm-hmm. That would help you make sure that you're hearing everything that the government is saying so you can understand what the hell is going on and when somebody going to come help y'all and when you are free to move about the country. Southwest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this actually made me go back and look at our car kits. So we have a bag in each of our cars with some very basic supplies in them, water, a little snack bar, and radios. And so I want to make sure that we had extra batteries because you're probably going to be tuned in to that radio broadcast from the government for 24 to 48 hours. So you want to make sure your battery can sustain that. And we, in the past, talked about how we relied on solar power for those little small radios. And you don't want to go outside during a nuclear situation with fallout. So you're going to have to rely on battery power.
1: One thing that the government recommends is planning ahead of time where you might take shelter along your frequent routes. So thinking about your commute, if you're halfway to work or halfway home. Is there a place that you could get into in 15 minutes to take shelter? If I'm thinking about my old commute, it would probably be Stack, the bowling alley, because they have cheese sticks and activities.
0: (laughs) I mean, I I see the logic, but... (laughs) The reasoning with the cheese sticks is just funny to me, but okay.
1: Let me tell you something. If it's nuclear war, I do not care about this lactose baby. I am (laughs) eating the cheese sticks. Is there marinara? Is there ranch? I want both. Ooh, they make good nachos too. Let me tell you something. It's going to be a cheese festival because (laughs) I'm not eating clean. It's the end of the world.
0: You just talked about not wanting to be in a vulnerable position when shit's hitting the fan. You think that she's not going to have an effect on you? You're going to have to be in the bathroom for a long time? (laughs) different shit hitting the fan.
1: That's not how lactose affects me, baby. So don't worry about that. All right.
0: I really hope that's not your plan. But all right.
1: (laughs) What would your plan be?
0: I would probably go find a school that has really thick brick walls. Do you remember them elementary schools that we we went to and the big ass bricks?
1: Now, while you may have me there with the bricks, with the brick walls... You still losing on the food front. Do you know what they be feeding these kids in public schools? I got my own snacks. You don't have cheese sticks. You don't have marinara. I'm going to make a beautiful charcuterie board in the kitchen. There's a stock bar. This is brilliant to me. There's games. There's laser tag.
0: I'm glad you've identified a place for you to go to on, on your on your work commute. There's so
1: much judgment.
0: I'm sure there are folks at home wondering what happens If they were to be outside during a blast, maybe you are on a hike or out for a run. What do you do?
1: Yes, you should take cover from the blast behind anything that might offer protection. Concrete or brick is going to be the best option if you can find it. Then you want to lie face down to protect exposed skin from the heat and flying debris. Make sure you avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth if possible. If you are in a vehicle, stop safely and duck down within the vehicle. After the shockwave passes, get inside the nearest best shelter location for protection from potential fallout. So one thing I want to make sure I clarify, these are options for like, you know, the mom is about to hit and you have nowhere to go. But like, as soon as it passes, like the clock starts now. Like 15
0: minutes for that fallout, come back down. You don't wanna be outside.
1: That's why I don't go anywhere. That's why I don't go anywhere. <laughs> That's why I don't go nowhere. That's why I stay at the house. Because why would you run outside? That's why I don't run outside. That's the only reason why I don't run outside.
0: Okay, girl. <laughs> you keep telling yourself that. <laughs> Honestly though, this that just sounds terrible. I do not want to be outside when that shit hits. I hope I I hope I'm not outside. Like, I don't want to be nowhere covering my, my head in the grass and on, on the concrete. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. Lying
1: face down in the dirt. I'm
0: good on that.
1: Ugh, terrible.
0: All right. So now let's say you're located a few hundred miles away from the impact of the initial blast. You still need to be tuning in, as the government says, and paying attention, watching the news, listening to the radio there is still a danger of you being affected by the radioactive plume. Now, what the hell is that? I'm sure you're probably asking. Basically, the plume is a cloud of radiation that can be carried by the wind for several thousand miles.
1: Fine. You know, I just want to say war sucks. This (laughs) fucking sucks. I'm really annoyed that... This is not a, like, oh, my gosh, like, what if aliens, like, just popped up and we think that that's a remote possibility? It's not. They're really out there. But the fact that, like, we're really talking about nuclear war because we do not know what this dodo might do. Like, I'm so annoyed. I'm so irritated. Like, what the fuck? Like, you just don't care about the environment and people and, like, you got radioactive plumes, like, (laughs) going from here to fucking Detroit. I'm angry I am pissed. Are you kidding me? Are you seriously kidding me? Like, dang, it got them people over there in Detroit, but I'm over here in Ann Arbor. No.
0: The plume is coming.
1: The plume is coming, depending on which way the wind blows. We've gone from Pocahontas chilling out here, trying to paint with all the colors of the wind. And now we on a trajectory where America might be hit with radioactive plumes on the wind. I'm angry. Anyways,
0: tell them what happens with the plume and how far it goes. Give them some examples.
1: For example, Hawaii was concerned about radioactive plume due to concerns about nuclear power plants in Japan. Hawaii and Japan are roughly 4,000 miles apart. Okay? The U.S., in comparison, is only 2,800 miles from east to west. Ghetto. So, depending on the direction of the wind, anyone in the U.S. can be affected by the radioactive plume.
0: The plume said anybody can get it.
1: Literally, it's got smoke. Like, this is this is a mess.
0: So, I saw this video. Dude was breaking down the plume. I like that word, plume. And he was talking about how difficult it will be <laughs> to get information to people about the direction of the plume. So, he's like, yeah, it's going, you know, they got to talk to the meteorologist. They got to look at the satellites. They got to communicate with the governor, like in your example, like say it hit Detroit. They got to they got to holler at them, the governor of Michigan, and it's gonna take some time for them to be able to like determine the direction, and then the governor's gonna have to figure out who to tell and what path the plume is taking. It's a lot. It's a mess. It can be a whole game of telephone, and so basically they say get inside.
1: So they're telling us to stay in the house, right? We're also we also just passed the two year anniversary of COVID-19 being declared a global pandemic how long do you think people are gonna stay inside for a radioactive plume
0: I don't know man I think I think about that movie Don't Look Up there's gonna be disinformation out there telling people oh you know, the plume is coming they are telling you to stay inside they don't want you to get the love and the benefits of the plume go outside and see that plume
1: <laughs> oh, we're worried about clouds now exactly what's the next thing we're gonna be scared of rainbows go to the club Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is
0: yeah actually the club might work though if it's got brick walls (laughs) (laughs) because the best protection from the plume is brick or concrete so if y'all want to go to the club i mean that's no different from you going to the the bowling alley or whatever the the spot you was talking about pinstack
1: okay first of all in my defense the pinstack stop was only if i was caught during the initial wave, and I could not get home before the fallout started
0: to come down. Well, let's say they on the way to the club. It hit, Putin decided to hit us Friday night at 9.30, 10 o'clock. People on the way.
1: They say, girl, it's free before 11, so exactly. I might as well get up on in there. And
0: I avoid the plume.
1: And they got wings.
0: And it's like daylight savings time they're going to get extra hours in the club because the club ain't going to let them leave.
1: Dang, how long would you want to be in a club, though? Like, if you had to be in the club for, like, days on end, like, how long would you want to be in the club?
0: I feel like this would be a great episode of TV. I could see like Atlanta doing this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we are all off task. All right. So moving on from the plume talk, let's talk about a few preps that you can do ahead of time to try to limit your exposure. I wanted to bring up iodide pills first. They're also called potassium iodide pills. These are on a lot of sites out there that preppers are talking about like, oh, you know, stuff you should have. Basically, potassium iodide is a form of salt, and it helps to combat the effects of radioactive iodine, which gets released into the air after a nuclear attack. And so these pills can help to reduce the effects of that radioactive iodine, harming your thyroid gland. Your thyroid controls how fast or slow your cells work, and damaging it can be life-threatening.
1: So radiation actually decays fairly quickly and it has, I mean, if you really want to get in your chemistry bag, like the half-life, like every eight days, I think it's half as potent. So it should be fairly weak within 80 to 100 days. And so if you're not in a super dangerous zone, you weren't super close to the blast site, maybe you're even hundreds or thousands of miles away, maybe you're on a different coast. The government might recommend that you take potassium iodide to prevent any damage to your thyroid. The tricky thing about prepping for that, though, is is that you don't know where the bomb is going to hit. Maybe you take it. Is it going to work? You might be too close. Your local government might be completely, like, gone and not be able to give you any type of guidance or medical advice about it. So there are people who are buying it. Like, the price is going up on potassium iodide. It's not ridiculous. You could get about a ten-day supply for about eighteen dollars right now for a family of four, but I don't know if it's I don't know if it's worth it to get it or not.
0: I was thinking about something I read where it was saying that basically, like it kind of already needs to be in your system. Like you almost need to be like taking it ahead of time before the mm. bomb hits, but you also don't want to take it for too long because of like side effects. So yeah, it's this weird like, do you or don't you? get it so i I don't really have a great answer on it
1: yeah i'm not a chemist yeah it's pretty tricky i've i've seen brands they sell them on amazon where it's it's for a very short period of time like 10 days and the thinking being that you take it if something hits but you're not super close to it and then get medical advice from there on yeah but It's interesting potassium iodide in and of itself because you can actually give it to babies like in very small doses because it's salt. It's Mm. not like there's actual like they won't give a dosage recommendation for children's Benadryl Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for anyone that's younger Mm -hmm. than three, but it's salt. So it's a little easier to give if, you know, your mom and your grandma really know what's going on. Morton's salt, the iodide salt, that's why they used it for Mm. iodine. So my mom was very concerned because I switched to kosher salt that I wouldn't get enough iodine in my system. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, so do your research. I just I we looked into it for a very long time and I just don't know where we really shake out on it. If you did want to buy some and store it in your extreme prepper kit, you can find 65 milligrams for short term use of up to 10 days. That one bottle would be enough for our entire family, including the kids. And it's, like I said, about $18, $19 on Amazon. You can get that one bottle, have it on deck, and hope that within 10 days you could find government or medical assistance and decide, you know, something's better than nothing. And if you're in a zone where you, like, can't find any, it's probably not looking that great for Mm -hmm. you anyway and that potassium iodide is probably not doing what you needed to do in the first place so maybe that's how you approach it next up a gamma radiation suit so the company stimrad has an interesting civilian harness looking thing that is supposed to protect the vital bone marrow in your pelvic region and shield you from gamma rays so think about like a harness if you were going to go bungee jumping but made out of that material, when you go to the dentist and you got to get an x ray, mm-hmm. that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. It's so economical. It's <laughs> for the low, low price of $2,900. And you need one for each member of your family. And it does not come in like 12 to 18 months size. <laughs> So, it's definitely an investment. I don't really know how you would plan for that with small children. Also, animals, your animals are. Yeah, screwed. I, so
0: I think about it for people who are medical professionals who may have to go out to render aid to people during the middle of fallout. You know, that's the type of people who I think would want to have those types of equipment available. People who are essential workers, quote unquote, who need to like get the phone lines back up or the radio waves back up or power lines or whatever. Like those are the type of people I think would have these. Mm-hmm. So like their companies would buy them. I assume they wouldn't have to come out of pocket for three grand. To, yeah, to have those.
1: there were two different ordering mechanisms. When I looked at the website, it was like, you know, if you're ordering this like for your company, like, Let's have a sales call. That yeah, was kind yeah. of that bucket. And then it was like, well, girl, if you just want to like buy now yeah. and put it on your Klarna or your Afterpay or whatever, <laughs> you can get one for yeah. $2,900. And that's where that ended. So yeah, then I closed yeah, yeah. that tab <laughs> and I moved on to something else.
0: Yeah, we talked about this before. Like There are really expensive prepping items that tend to only come into play for more extreme or unlikely scenarios. Probability is gonna be still much higher for some type of natural disaster, and those are the things that we try to focus our preps on. But yeah, if you are hardcore and want to look into that stem rod harness, it's out there. If you got three grand to blow, go we'll forward. put a,
1: we'll put a link in the in the show notes. You know, yeah, maybe y'all got it.
0: Next, hazmat suits and gas masks. So you know, gamma rays out here tearing things up. <laughs> you, you know, still need to cover the exposed areas of your body from the other types of radiation. I've seen, you know, these all-in-one suits with the gas mask, for as low as $140, some as expensive as 3200. So if you want to add those to your preps again, you know, you can go for it. Maybe a, a long wait though. I think a lot of people are having kind of similar ideas, folks in Europe are ordering them. So, yeah, some of these these people have like super long processing times but you can check them out.
1: Let's say you lucked out, you got away from home, you're prepped with your bug out bag, you have your essential items, you make it to a refugee camp or site, but your home that you left was pretty close to the initial blast site. You should be prepared that the government may check your things, determine that it has radiation, and make you throw them away. If your house is still standing, you may not be able to go home ever again. Chernobyl is still abandoned. Like, that was a Mm -hmm. whole town. I think people think of Chernobyl as, like, the plant, but Mm -hmm. it was a whole town. Like, they had movie theaters and schools and apartment buildings and swimming pools, and there was... It's not that recent. I guess it was, like, 10 years ago. This photographer that was able to go into the contaminated zone and take pictures, and besides, like, the elements, stuff is still standing almost frozen in time. So... That could be a really unfortunate thing that people don't really think about, that my house is over there, it's still standing, it's still strong, but I'll never walk in there ever again because of radiation. And then, of course, the things that you might have gotten out, not only your essential items, but maybe even sentimental or your ID or Anything like that, that immediately gets thrown away. And so you're out here with nothing.
0: Yeah, to that point, there are quite a few folks in like the prepper messaging boards, the Reddits. I started getting into some of the the prepper subreddits.
1: Not the Reddits.
0: (laughs) You'll see folks saying like, don't get on the FEMA buses. That's like a thing. Don't get on the FEMA buses because the FEMA buses will take you to these government sites and they'll take all your stuff.
1: So where are you supposed to go? That's
0: why they said like you should have your own bug out location and your own like plan and like. Depend on your own stuff, like have have supplies for cleaning your stuff when you get to your bug out location and things like that. Like like they're Mm. these these folks tend to be very much anti-government and like pro-independent. And so they're like, I got everything I need. Don't take my stuff like they're going to have like their guns and they're going to have like their food and their water. And like they're like, don't take that from me. You know what I mean? So
1: I feel them on that, though, because. When I was in high school, we were having a problem with food fights after sea lunch. Sea lunch was always the most disorderly lunch. I feel like no matter where you went to school, sea lunch was disorderly. (laughs) And I had actually written an article as the editor-in-chief of my high school newspaper about how disgusting it was that we could not eat like civilized human beings and then leave the cafeteria and not descend into chaos <laughs> and I had a 20 ounce Sprite I'll never forget it and I was walking out of the cafeteria I don't know why I didn't put it in my bag and I got stopped and they made me throw my whole Sprite away I had two sips two sips of my Sprite what if my stomach was hurting that was medicine they didn't care they didn't care about me and he said you have to throw it away and I said I, I wrote an editorial about the, the state of affairs I'm not the bad guy here And so sometimes you don't want your stuff thrown away. That's all I'm going to say about that.
0: Well, speaking of medicine, (laughs) let's talk a little bit about radiation sickness and some of the symptoms of radiation sickness. So the initial signs are nausea, vomiting, headache, dizziness, and a general feeling of illness. Those are mad bra in general.
1: (laughs) It sounds like the Pepto-Bismol commercial.
0: (laughs) So those initial symptoms will probably go away after a couple of days and you enter then into a latent period of radiation sickness. If nothing else pops up in this phase after about 14 days, you're probably good and had, you know, kind of a non-serious bout of radiation sickness, you know, a mild case, as they say. (laughs) Uh, Your body can, you know, repair itself after being exposed to kind of low levels of radiation. So that's probably where you're going to fall.
1: Yeah, I think that our pop culture thought about being exposed to radiation is like, oh, you know, if that little counter was going, that's it, you're dead. <laughs> but, you know, cancer patients get radiation treatment. So yeah. I think like that's a prime example of how your body can repair itself from low levels of radiation mm-hmm. exposure. If, however... You have a serious or fatal case of radiation sickness, that latent phase will move into the fatal phase. So you'll be like, oh, I'm out here. I'm good. And then all of a sudden you get hit with diarrhea, your hair starts falling out and you can have small hemorrhages of the skin, mouth and or intestinal tract. It does not sound fun.
0: Damn. So, yeah, the higher the dose of radiation that you get, the shorter the timeline of the sickness. People can die within 48 hours of a super high dose of radiation. Most patients who have serious radiation sickness can survive with proper care. So an interesting tie-in to the chakras, part of chakras and shotguns, people who have well-balanced diet, they're getting plenty of rest, they have less stress, they're in any kind of you know clean surroundings, clear mind. Clear hearts can't lose when they're part of it. The-
1: What is it, Friday Night Lights?
0: What was it? Don't ask me. Okay. It was like
1: Clear Eyes, or no, what's that, Clear Heart.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Clear Eyes is a competitor of IZ, but anyway. (laughs) Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is, if your chakras are in balance, you have a better chance of recovering from radiation sickness, so.
1: So I should not stay up all night eating cheese sticks at PennStack. Exactly. Well, you could have said that at the beginning, but that's fine.
0: I didn't want to stop you from living out your glory at the all-you-can-eat situation in the back of PennStag during nuclear fallout.
1: Sure you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Leaving on that very high note of radiation (laughs) sickness, we're going to get out of here because I probably had too many asides and stories, and this episode is going to run long. But as always, if you have a question... Please email us at shotguns at gmail.com. You can always find us on Instagram and YouTube. If you'd like to join our Shockers and Shotguns community, you can support us on Patreon. And finally, if you're loving the show, please subscribe and give us five stars wherever you listen.
0: Namaste.